Welcome back. Episode 74 of the podcast. What's really funny about that is like I've really been fucking digging on James Brown lately. Oh, really? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, And I just love like like I uh, I never realized how like Sex Machine is just such a banger. Yeah. (laughs) And it has this really funny part that I I it I mean, it's just it was such a part of that but it's just still so funny to me it's like you know they're playing it's like can i take him to the bridge <laughs> can i take him to the bridge and it's yeah. just like oh my god that's oh, so fucking yeah, it's so baller. great yeah i've been listening to i found a uh uh spotify playlist called funk out of here um which basically just has a whole bunch of james brown uh yeah a whole bunch of just like awesome cool in the gang 70s funk and i'm like i'm getting into it lately a lot so <laughs> yeah yeah i've definitely i've definitely been going back and listening to it's just we've talked about it before it's just that era just that 70s music era really in regards to a lot of styles like i i don't know why it's just it's like it's like a warm soup yeah (laughs) i find it weirdly so comforting i think it's just because it's so different Mm -hmm. it's to us it is just so far removed from like modern music so it's just it's a night not that it's like oh it's so much better dude (laughs) but these people were like pioneers and inventing shit and like so it's just it's cool to go back to it's a it's quite a bit of a a music palette cleansing thing yeah right yeah yeah i totally agree yeah there's nothing yeah there's nothing better than just like rolling down the windows on your car jamming to some funk like it puts a smile on your face man <laughs> well that too it's also just such feel good music yeah. i mean it's you know you can't you can't replicate that yeah true true <laughs> um all right mitch well uh how you been i've been okay i've been pretty good yeah it's uh not too bad at all yeah. you <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know why we even, I, I think this is why we stopped doing that on the podcast. <laughs> right. We would just stop really ask us, uh, pretty irrelevant information. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, nothing, nothing really is going on. Um, no news. So, <laughs> all right, well, here's what we're going to do. Like uh, I say, let's, let's get into what you're drinking. Um, and then we'll, we'll, I, cause I have a few things to talk about All and right. you have, I, I assume a, a quandary of a lightning round question. Cause you said you only have one. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to take a minute though. Okay. All right. So I'm excited. It's not much so of a lightning round question, more of just a question. <laughs> more of really just a topic. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> which exactly. to talk about. Um, all right, well let's let's get into what you're drinking though, because I am thirsty. It's a little hot in here, and I can't turn on any fans okay. because it sounds like shit. Yep, true that, true that. Let's get into it then. All right, so first, uh, I've got a little bit of a surprise for you. Um, so as we oh. talked about, um, the reason I'm rocking this mustache is I had a Halloween party I went to last night. Um, I went as Freddie Mercury. Um, that's why I have a stash, and it's terrible. But anyway, um, the reason I'm bringing it up now is. Uh, for this Halloween party, I made a shitload of Jello shots, and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be great! People are going to love it. We're going to have some fun." I made like thirty-five Jello shots, um, and then uh, I forgot to bring them to the party. So, and it was at a friend's house who lived a half hour away. So I could have been like, "Well, I I, w- I could go home and see you in an hour, <laughs> or I right. could just 
not. So I just I decided not to. So I'm going to start off by doing a little bit of a jello shot because I have 30 of them in my fridge that I have nothing to do with. So <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Get that this podcast started off right. <laughs> jello shots. <laughs> That is hilarious. This is a, uh, um, if you're interested, it is a uh, 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 watermelon Jolly Rancher Jello mixed with Smirnoff vodka. So, Mm. (laughs) classy. Uh huh. So, a Jello shot really is just eating Jello with alcohol in it. Correct. I've never had a Jello shot. Oh really? Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I. uh, I've had quite a few in my day, even though I hate Jello. I don't. I, it, the texture is it grosses me out. But um, so basically, how you make it is um, on the pack of Jello. It says boil like one cup of water, pour in the little gel stuff, um, and then pour a cup of cold water in it, and like let it sit in the fridge. For right. Jello shots, instead of adding that one cup of cold water, you add one cup of vodka. Or like right. you know your liquor of choice, so it is equal yeah. parts water and vodka. So it uh, they're they, they're pretty potent. So right, yeah. I mean, typically you want to do vodka because that's what makes sense since it kind of takes on flavors it's mixed with, right? As opposed to putting in like whiskey, yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah, exactly. That would be incredibly weird. <laughs> so my real drink. So that was that was enjoyable. That was very uh, watermelony. Uh, <laughs> So I'm going right, to follow right. it up with the real drink I'm drinking today is a Wildberry Truly hard seltzer. So, Yeah, and I like the Truly brand. Uh, I think we've clearly have tasted enough of these on the podcast here that we have established that we're, it's all the same fucking thing. Exactly, it, yeah. It really is just branding and whatever White Claw did. Probably being one of the first to yeah, really. Yeah, they kind of pioneered it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least at, at, at the very least with their marketing. Right. Um, is really how they won that battle. But. Yeah, true that. So, yep. All cool. Right. That's what I got. So, what about you? Uh, I actually took some time, did some prep, actually went to um, a place to actually get a beer that I can't find typically everywhere else. Well, hmm. it's I shouldn't say that. It's common. I got something interesting that I can form an opinion around. All right. That's all we need. So I got from the Kona Brewing Company, the Big Wave Golden Ale. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. It's that surf beer if you're ever, you I've, know. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. I've, I've had the Longboard Ale, and I didn't love it. Oh. So. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm curious about this one. Uh, they actually imprinted the island of Hawaii on the bottle. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, or I should say the state of Hawaii because yeah. it's made up of various islands. Mini islands, And they yeah. also put liquid aloha imprinted Ooh. on the bottle. So I'm kinda, I kind of dig that. I like when, when companies take a little extra. And it's also like not a normally shaped bottle. Yeah, right. And it's actually kind of nice. It's still 12 ounces, but it's smaller. Yeah. So I appreciate that. So yeah, right definitely. now, out the gate, I'm impressed. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> but this is the Big Wave Golden Ale. Big Wave Golden Ale. <sighs> wow. That kind of tastes like an IPA. But actually, in a pretty good, it's very refreshing. Hmm. Let's read some of the bottle here. Year-round, the waves that roll into Hawaiian beaches are some of the best in the world. 
catch the crest of a breaking wave and ride it all the way in. That didn't tell me anything. <laughs> exactly. Tell me about the beer. Yeah, what's... Oh, wait, there's more. Our sun-drenched big wave golden ale is a smooth brew inspired by inspired by what makes Hawaii great. Catch a wave. Uh, once again, you're leaving a lot of details out. Right, right. But you know what? You know what? Maybe I'm okay with it because <laughs> what I'm tired of hearing is what sort where did you find your hops and exactly. what you know we what kind shift. of hops what kind of hops you used I don't yeah. know who finds that helpful like <laughs> I, I I drink a lot of beer and I couldn't tell you I have a favorite hop <laughs> it, it, yeah exactly and if you do have a favorite hop drink shittier beer yeah. all right like <laughs> right. Just, who, who are you trying to get man exactly like, drink get a bush latte um smash a couple miller lights yep get all get out of your ivory tower exactly down here but uh yeah no this, this is good um it is it is hop forward so it is very ipa-esque mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, it's actually pretty good. I like yeah. it. I like the company. I like what they're doing. I feel like they are taking care. This is this is the antithesis of Great Lakes Brewing Company. Okay, where I really think that Great Lakes, it's like even the labels that look cool still look like somebody made them with fucking like clip art. Right? Yeah, right. Like they, <laughs> they already look dated. I really like this company because they've they've thought everything through. Yeah. So. And at least is giving the appearance that they care a little bit more. Right. Yeah, no, I always like that. And one of my favorite uh, local breweries is um, the brewery in Indiana that makes, uh, oh, Three Floyds. They make uh, um, oh yeah zombie dust. Um, the What I like about them is I don't love all their beers, um, but their branding and labeling is really cool because it looks very DIY. Like every single, like, like image they use on their cans and everything it looks like it could be straight off of like an uh, a metal album like this is an yeah. album cover for for a metal band and i love it <laughs> yeah it's it's hard as shit and they yeah. are all good i mean honestly though that's one reason i keep going back to rheingeist though and i still really mm-hmm. love rheingeist is because they have a uniform style to their cans mm-hmm. and when you look at the front of a rheingeist can it tells you everything right it has the goofy name, yep. but it tells you what kind of beer it is. It tells you the alcohol percentage. It's telling me the things that I want to know True. without going into great detail right away. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's that's why I pick it up. If I yeah. see a new color can I haven't tried before, I buy it. I mean, it's it's surprising. It's the beer companies that I get tired of. It would be like Dogfish Head. Mm-hmm. Okay. I get real tired of Dogfish Head right. because I I just feel like they're they're not taking that same amount and it's always like a a higher higher level of pretentiousness to what they're doing right and it's just like just make a good beer man yeah exactly and they have like way too many kind of confusing like ipas for example they have a 60 minute ipa and 90 minute IPA and a 120 minute IPA. I don't know what that means. I don't know why they call it that. Um, but it's very confusing. And one of them is really good. The other one is 
just okay and it's $15 a bottle. <laughs> That's important to keep in mind because like I yes. might order the wrong I have like a few weeks ago right. I went out and ordered the wrong one. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll take the the 120 minute IPA." And I had a sip. I was like, "Oh, that's not great." And they're like, "All right, here's your bill. It's $15." Like, "Fuck." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. And that's and that's my thing and that's why it's like cuz I think we're when we started the podcast I think we were really jazzed to try a bunch of new beer and and talk about them and have all these new cool things. Yeah. I bowed out pretty quickly, probably around episode like 30, where I just didn't care anymore. Right. Because it's just like, fucking A, man. It's like, it. it, Just make a good beer. Exactly. Make a good beer. (laughs) Keep it simple. What is is that beer? You know? Okay, got you. I won't like that. What's that one? <laughs> right. I would like that. Dope. I'm going to buy it. And I just, just beer marketing is just obnoxious at it, this point. Yeah. It's, it's off the rails, man. They, they, they need to reel it in, <laughs> reel it in. Um, all right, Mitch. Well, you want to do your lightning round question? Yeah, let's do it. So I've got a lightning round question. Question number one of one. Uh, if you could <laughs> go back and witness a event or concert, um, I, I say concert because mine is a concert, but it could be any sort of event in history, um, what would it be? The first thing that popped into my head, and you're going to be so mad at me, Yep, <laughs> was, the, was the JFK assassination, because I want to know what happened. <laughs> I mean, I'm not mad at you. I think that's a great answer. <laughs> I mean, I would just like, I don't want to like see JFK get killed um, again. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I would, I would want to be there to see who killed him. Like, right, exactly. Yeah. You yeah, know, to, that's to really, because so... I, because I, I have doubt in the, in the Warren commission. I have high doubt that they actually know what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with um, you there. So it, it's like one of those things. It's just, I, I think the same thing about like 9-11, for instance. Like, I just don't think that everything that we were told is completely 100% true. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, I think that, but like, Bush did 9-11. <laughs> like, yeah, right. It's not that extreme, but I do think that, like, the truth is maybe somewhere in the middle here. So yeah. I would love to actually know what happened. Yeah, exactly. There are lots of instances of that. Like, the one I thought of was, like, Roswell. Like, I definitely want to know what went down at Roswell. Yeah, Roswell's a good one. Roswell's a good one because the older, I feel like the older you get, the more you laugh off, like, conspiracy theories or things that uh, at least don't line up with, like, what we're told happened. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think, like, that's a bummer, though, right? Because I think that's why we never really know. It's yeah. because everybody kind of bails out because they start laughing off. But I guess, granted, we're also living in a day and age where people think the Earth is flat. True, true. <laughs> like, really think the Earth is flat. Yeah. Like, so, I guess in all fairness, it's kind of hard to shift through the shit to find what might actually be true or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, no, you reach a point where, well, for me anyway, like I, you know, when I heard about the JFK thing and like the Roswell thing, um, I like wanted to find out so badly. So I like, I actually did a bunch of research on like both of those instances and went down like the 
QAnon Reddit rabbit hole of like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> crazy conspiracy theories and tried to find one I actually like believed. And um, there are just so many like unknowns that I kind of I gave up. And that happens with everything because like yeah. those kind of unknowable questions, you kind of just admit that you'll never know and come to yeah. the conclusion that like I don't you know I'm, I'm kind of over this now because I'll never know and I that's my that's my answer so <laughs> yeah no I, I I think that's totally right and that's why like I'll still put on a 9-11 conspiracy documentary yeah just because it's like a, a like a warm blanket of, <laughs> right <laughs> of wild claims little to no research <laughs> exactly um so and it's just i just love it because it's like when you're because there's that one loose change uh that i don't know if you've ever actually seen but that was the big one what's that That like the the 9-11 documentary loose change oh i didn't know i haven't seen that one that's like the the kit and caboodle of of 9-11 documentaries because that actually um came out um and everyone was like it, it, it was like the first thing to do and it was like two guys who made it on macbooks in their fucking basement oh wow yeah yeah but um that that's kind of the one that like i don't want to say blew the lid on the whole thing but it was definitely the one that everybody would go to in reference mm-hmm. um but from there man it became an then that's also what's interesting is then it became an inter- industry to make a 9-11 conspiracy movie right exactly there's so many of them out there and they get wilder and wilder like i haven't seen the loose change one but if you're saying it's one of the first i can imagine it kind of like started some ideas had some like flickers of like hey what if this happened and then people saw that and ran with it and they were like well not only this happened but this happened and it just became crazier and crazier with every you know branch of the tree and it's just wild now Like, like maybe, maybe that first one actually raised some poignant questions. And then from there, everybody just kind of either repeated the same thing or threw in like, well, you know, we could kind of say this. Right. Right. And I think that's kind of how, how that happened. Yeah. Well, that's one of the, you know, whole things about, well, like QAnon, for example, like people will go on and these forums or something and raise a question like, Hey, here's my idea about what happened. And then someone will read that, forget they saw it on a forum. And then just the rest of their life, they'll be like, Oh yeah, this is what happened. Like they'll, they'll think of it like that's their truth because they forget the sources and they're like, okay, this is just something I know now. Yeah, I mean, that's one way to explain it, because I really can't wrap my head around where that goes. Yeah, it's a, yeah. I was thinking about doing an episode of QAnon, but it would have been just, like, way too much research that I did not want to do. It, Dude, it, yeah, it is, like, (laughs) yeah, it goes deep. I did hear a good podcast, um, that Reply All podcast I, I've told you about a couple times. They did a they did a really good episode on QAnon, and basically they sourced they they think they fi- found out who like ran the QAnon like they they know pretty much exactly who it is, and it was actually I think it was the founder of Two Chan, which is like the Chinese Four Chan. So that's weird. <laughs> yeah. So. That so that did make me want to bring up though I wanted to I wanted to go back and call back something real quick about the podcast is 
that episode of Reply All about the guy who couldn't remember that song. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I actually went and listened to that episode Did finally. You? Yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. And and not that anything was too eye opening, other than I really liked listening to the episode because it did kind of. I really related with the one host who talked about how obsessive he gets about shit. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, no, I totally get that. Like that's right. me. Like I'm up at three a.m. just like fucking, fucking, <laughs> you know, trying to just type shit into Google. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm the same way. But what blew my mind is when they did that bit where they had and what I'm referencing. Just on the off chance anybody cares to actually know is there was a guy who could not find a song that he knew existed and could not figure it out, listed the help of the podcast and actually recreated the song with studio musicians. Yeah. That part actually blew my mind about how close that actually fucking Dude, was. Right? That was insane. Yeah. It it was barely different because and I did a thing where I would listen to him like back to back. Yeah. To really just try and hear it. And I'm like, honestly, like most of the stuff that you you can't necessarily put into words or recreate is like production. Yeah. And that's that was the only big difference. That yeah, I exactly. And the craziest part is like the guy wasn't a musician himself, but somehow he remembered like he had the the, you know, re- the memory to go into a studio and tell like a guitar player to like, OK, do this. Now, 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 now. Right. How do you remember it, that random guitar riff if you're not a musician? He <laughs> knew that song. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because I'm like, dude, this dude knew that song. But yeah. yeah, I wanted to call that back because I do remember, though, that when you told that story story on the podcast it like blew my fucking mind yeah right they actually (laughs) had done that so um i had to call that back real quick but so yours is a concert yes okay so to uh to circle back so mine is um so the the concert that i would have loved to go to in history is um so i i i I told you i went as freddie mercury so i was going down this rabbit hole of like queen like 70s videos like live videos um and of course like i watched the queen at live aid concert like from 1985 at uh, wembley stadium and i was like doing a little bit more i i i, I was watching the, the youtube video and then the next suggested video was like u2 live aid 1985 and i was like whoa u2 played the same concert and i didn't even realize how many amazing bands were at this festival um it was queen it was U2, uh, Elton John, Paul McCartney, mm. The Who, Led Zeppelin, David Bowie. Um, the crazy part about the Led Zeppelin thing, which I mentioned earlier, is um, they it was their first show in five years after John Bonham died, and it was terrible. Oh, <laughs> I wow, went, really? I went back and watched it. They were so bad. <laughs> So it it was like five years after like uh, Robert Plant had like done serious singing. So his voice was just shot. I feel Uh, like Jimmy Page was on some sort of drugs because he he didn't nail the guitar parts. Um, Oh, the craziest part about it. Phil Collins filled in on drums and he was the best part about it. (laughs) Yeah. So I do remember this now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I do remember that. He killed it. Everyone else sucked. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, and that was pretty much their last concert. So um, it would have been crazy to see Led Zeppelin's last concert, especially if it was a terrible one. Um, yeah, I mean, I watched like I watched the U2 footage, and that one was amazing. Bono always blows me away. They did this 12-minute um, version of one of their songs called Bad, and at the end, they like did a little medley of Sympathy for the Devil, followed by um, Take a Walk on the Wild Side. <laughs> I had never seen them do that at all. I was like, what is happening? So it was insane, man. I I just would have loved to see that. There were like 70, there were 74,000 people there. Like imagine going to a show with 74,000 people. Well, that kind of, no, I think like, first off, totally, that's a great answer because yeah, that concert is like an absolutely huge, famous concert. Yeah, And it was also one of the more, ones like after Woodstock because there's been other live aids Mm -hmm. and whether it be the lineup or you know it's kind of just it's kind of a lightning in a bottle thing like 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 why did Woodstock happen and why was it such a big deal Mm -hmm. it's just the right time the right place and of something of importance like that for it to really make that kind of impact um so yeah for for um yeah for uh Sorry, I stumbled. Um, oh, the Queen thing. I wanted to circle back to the Queen thing because I never watched that Queen movie with whoever the fuck did it. Yeah. Uh, the biopic. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of didn't really want to because I heard some stuff about it that kind of was not, like, cool. Um, really? Like what? Well, like, they basically brush aside Freddie Mercury being gay. Like, they don't address yeah, that at, like, all. Right. And I was like, I oh, well, they, they kind of do. So I, I don't know how like true this is, but they kind of like, and I, I don't I, I don't know if they like nailed this aspect of it, but part of the story was like he was married and like so they he, to a female, so he, they had him like struggling with his you know, uh, willingness to come out in the seventies because he was married to a girl. He like realized Uh, he was gay. So they do kind of like touch on the I'm gay thing, but they kind of like, they, they kind of frame it as like, I'm ashamed of being gay. And I don't know if that was what it was actually like. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe it was that now granted, I never watched the movie. This is me reading articles Mm -hmm. and then forming an opinion without ever seeing it. So that's also not fair, but I will say, the coolest thing that I've seen is somebody took that scene of the movie right. when they played Live Aid and cut it with the actual footage. Yeah. And showed that, and that blew me away. They nailed it. Shot just, for shot. And I was really impressed with that just because I think if you're going to do a biopic like that and you're going to do a biopic for a band as big and as important as mm-hmm. Queen, that. Uh, care taken into it is important Mm -hmm. and i'm and i am i'm glad they did so yeah no that that's crazy but that's that i think that is a really good answer i think mine is dumb no i don't think yours is dumb at all no yours is more intelligent mine is just like i wanted i want to be on acid and see queen in the 80s (laughs) i would not want to be on acid and see queen (laughs) right well that's the other thing i was thinking when i was watching that video with seventy four thousand people in the crowd like there were you know they were packed in like sardines it looked like you know it looked like new year's eve Times square like you literally couldn't move but this was like an outdoor thing all day in the hot sun um i I was thinking like man what these people are probably on drugs probably drinking like how do you 
what if you need water? How do you get water? How do you pee? You just, you can't, like, you can't go anywhere. I was just, it's almost overwhelming. Like, ah, that's terrifying to be in the front row. Ugh. <laughs> that's why, like, sometimes I'm not, like, super hype about going to concerts unless yeah. it is, like, a smaller band where, right. you know, I don't want to, I mean, I've gone to a few very large shows, but mm. I, it, I don't like it. It's scary. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little intimidating. Yeah, it's a nice, <laughs> very nice. How much? <laughs> um. Okay, so this is gonna be interesting. So okay, so I think I think I have a good perspective to get this rolling. Yeah. So here's do. what happened. Mitch may or may not have been under the influence of alcohol. I'm unsure, but he sent me. I was. <laughs> the, the the most spoiler Im- alert <laughs> the most passionate text he has probably ever sent me as a guy who typically does not have opinions on things he had a very strong passionate resolve to tell me about the new board i did movie. and i wanted to talk with you about it so bad um and, and yes I, I was under the influence but that you know still i'm not now and uh i still feel as passionate so, the, so i think that's a good sign right right so i i kind of like drug my feet but then i but then i heard chirpings from other people yeah okay right and then like charlotte had heard like chirpings from other people i was like well, I guess we got to fucking watch it then. <laughs> God damn it. Like, so we have both seen the new Borat movie and uh, we're going to talk about it. Uh, Mitch, quote unquote, said he wrote a, persu- a persuasive essay <laughs> about Sasha Barrett Cohen. So Essentially. I'm, I'm intimidated. Yeah. So I, when I'm we were talking about going down the rabbit hole of like QAnon conspiracy theories. I also like to go down the rabbit hole of like movies and actors that I don't know a whole lot about and I did that hard with Sasha Baron Cohen so so uh, <laughs> we'll we'll kind of let Mitch take it away but I think the only thing that I had to say was that I have always liked and respected Sasha Baron Cohen I never was really into like the Borat movies and like mm-hmm. Bruno and stuff like that like I had seen them but I I that humor never really was like a big thing for me right so i never really got like into him so i i didn't walk around quoting borat i used to get mad when people (laughs) right yeah kind of a thing that was kind of my experience with it too because the first one came out in 2006 and i was 15 years old and not really old enough to watch it so i honestly didn't um until i was pretty much an adult so like i knew the references i knew people doing these like Russian accents and I knew all the quotes my wife uh, but I never so I I knew that it was a you know I I could understand when someone was doing a Borat reference although I didn't I hadn't seen it until I probably about like honestly like five or six years ago was when I saw the first Borat for the first time Um, and then it didn't like blow me away like I was like okay that's I'm glad I watched it 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 was it was funny for sure Um, but then I went back and watched the second one and that's the only reason we're having this conversation right now um because that one really made me appreciate how kind of brilliant he is um even though i'm I'm with you like i don't find his it's not my favorite type of comedy um but i think it's really important which is what i want to talk about so yeah first things first we're starting i'm gonna give you a little history 
film lesson. (laughs) So did you know in Iran and most Middle Eastern countries, it is illegal to make a movie that criticizes the government? I'm not surprised. Yeah, exactly. So basically how they get around this is, um, and this has been a thing since like the, you know, late eighties, early nineties, um, Iranian people will film movies, um, disguised as the, they'll use like hidden cameras um and they use like they're 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 making a movie on the lowdown the hush hush so and to basically the the reason they get away with it is they're using a mixture of you know scenes that are shot like scripted scenes that are shot and a mixture of people like actors interacting with non-actors so for the public scenes like it's all like not scripted and it's kind of a little bit of improv um okay so this is yeah so you get kind of where i'm going with this this is this type of genre is a thing not necessarily in the western culture but the middle east it's kind of a popular genre it's it's basically called pseudo-realism so okay well i will say i'm already i because i didn't know that specific part so now i am a little bit tripped out because basically borat sasha barrett cohen in general with those movies but even borat specifically and even the way they write the film Mm -hmm. is satirical right the whole setup of the film is even a commentary on oppressive governments which is that okay that's that's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. That's, That's a little cool. bit of mine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They, and I didn't know that either, which I think is really cool because he's bringing that genre to the Western culture. Um, and then so so that's part one. Part two is around the early 90s. Um, this is another kind of like form of entertainment that I wasn't super hip on. But especially in the UK, like in the early 90s, um, there was a uh, there was kind of this surgeons of comedic character actors so if you think of like monty python mr bean these kind of like over the top characters that are just a form of comedy um steve coogan um who you might have you've you've probably seen him but you don't know his name he's been in a bunch of stuff like the other guys but he's the british guy but basically in the early 90s he had a tv show um called knowing me knowing you Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, so basically his his TV show was kind of this late night, you know, daily show kind of thing where he had people on and interviewed them in a almost kind of like prank style interview similar to Eric Andre. Andre, yeah. Yeah, so he kind of, Steve Coogan and, you know, in a way, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen kind of invented the Eric Andre form, format, where they kind of have people on, mess with them, do a little bit of improv, and kind of see where it goes. Um, mm-hmm. So after that, um, Sasha Baron Cohen had a show that started in 2000 called The Ali G Show, um, where it was kind of an Eric Andre, Steve Coogan kind of thing, where he interviewed politicians, celebrities as this character, not knowing not knowing that they were on a kind of a pranky TV show. And I I don't like to use the word prank because I don't like pranks, but um, it's more of a art that is... um, very improv based and his his improv game is amazing. So yeah, he did interviews with like Buzz Aldrin, Donald Trump, Dick Cheney, oh, and the like Borat and Bruno were characters that he invented on the Ali G show. So that's kind of where they got their start. Right. I see so here's here is one thing I wanted to talk about. I feel that like 
you maybe didn't know as as much about Sasha Baron Cohen mm-hmm. going into like watching Borat the second exactly. you know the, yeah. the new Borat movie. So it's kind of interesting because like I do kind of remember when all this happened. Yeah, I, I didn't because, I, I didn't know anything about like the Ali G show because I've they did an Ali yeah they they did an Ali G movie. Oh. But it was, but it was like a scripted movie. It, it wasn't the style that like Borat took mm-hmm. on. Um, so I, I've kind of like always been there, kind of being like, I don't really get this, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, it, it's just interesting to hear your perspective because I feel like you've, like you said, you went down that rabbit hole and you're yeah. like, oh, but these are interesting tidbits that I didn't know that this is kind of how it played out. Which is yeah, I wanted to bring up the context of like what was happening in the early 90s within the world of comedy and entertainment to kind of it makes me appreciate it a little bit more because, like I said, I wasn't the biggest Borat fan when it first came out. I to this day have not seen Bruno, um, so I wouldn't call myself like. <laughs> Bruno, Bruno's rough, man. Yeah, I kind of. A kinda lot heard. of penises. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's not been my, you know, comedic cup of tea. But I think that you know, in context with what he's doing, kind of makes him awesome, like brilliant in a way. Um, so yeah, um, Borat was uh, created on the Ali G show, um, and then that led to the first movie in 2006, which was. It was a little bit of a, um, you know, satirical commentary on politics and the social world, um, but it didn't go in near as hard as the second movie did. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> so, he, yeah. Well, here's what I would say. If you haven't seen the new Borat movie, I would say go ahead and just stop now. Mm-hmm. Stop listening. We're most likely going to spoil some things. <laughs> Go ahead and watch it because, yeah, spoiler alert for sure. We're going to talk about uh, the whole plot because the whole plot of the movie in general is just what is even so insane. But yeah, go give it a watch, give it a shot, and then come back. So, um, I want to talk about. I want to talk about my journey with the movie a little yeah, bit. Yeah, please do. So, I sat down to watch it. And I came in with a pretty heavy level of, of skepticism um, because of how impassioned you were about it. And yeah. I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like, how really? <laughs> so through the beginning of the movie, they set up the plot and everything. And I I, I was really uninvested. Um, there was that scene where he sits down in the chair and it's like, oh, your your buddy is, is yeah. the chair. And it's like a penis chair and thing. And I was like, his dick. yeah, yeah. Like- and, I, and I was like. Okay, first off, I don't even really get that joke. I like I didn't even really find it, but I was just like <sighs> me and Charlotte were sitting there like, oh man. Yeah. It, it was feeling like we weren't going to go anywhere. Right. About the time that the plot of the movie was revealed that Borat's goal was <laughs> to give a 15-year-old girl as a present to Mike Pence. <laughs> yeah. It sucked me in pretty hard because exactly. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that that's yeah, that's what got me too. Because like I, like I said, man, like the, I I I was kind of with you. Like I wasn't fully on board in the very beginning because Borat definitely has some jokes that aren't my favorite. Like I I don't I'm not usually a fan of the over the top like sexual overt references and I yeah yeah, yeah. so but. That that's where it gripped me. Now, there was a lot of really funny bits in the movie. 
Um, but what kind of blew me away is that they wrote the whole B plot of this story with him and his daughter. Mm-hmm. And I was like really invested in that. Yeah, it was kind of touching. Like It was touching and good writing and this whole... To me, it was the B plot, but this whole B plot of them confronting and rationalizing what they had been indoctrinated in mm-hmm. because of their country was like really smart and and well acted and well written. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of also served as like, well, that's kind of trippy because that's how we all are, right? We're mm-hmm. all sort of indoctrinated and 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 to put it extremely brainwashed, but yeah. what we're taught and reinforced as we become adults is, is what we carry out. Like, no, you, you shouldn't do that because, well, we're just told so. Yeah. Right. So for that to kind of mirror, even though like America is a country, like we talk about freedom all the time, but we still have social norms and we still are, are pressured by society to do certain things. So mm-hmm. it was like a really weirdly deep part of the movie <laughs> that's there in between him, like dressing up as a Jewish stereotype and going yeah. to a synagogue, which like, so I was really impressed by that because I then became very invest- invested in how this whole thing was going to play out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that was my main journey. I was a little bit more impressed by the subplot of just being a really well-written commentary on, like, oppressive social norms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I was kind of blown away by that. Yeah. So that was, yeah, the B-plot. And, and I didn't even really, you know, consider that very much because that the what the, the part that got me the most um, was like what you would call the A plot the main storyline of you know basically all the the amalgamations of his like interviews and interactions mm-hmm. with people that think that he's for real like blew me away that's the part that I like was so blown away by like um what basically the 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 reason i was so passionate about it is if you look at um the career of sasha baron cohen and his ability to not only be an amazing improv actor um but he's got he's got his characters down man he's so good and he can fool anyone um so much to the point that he kind of like retconned himself into American history like in he's got a he's got a newer show um called who is America and in one of the episodes I watched this video he's doing this fake interview where he is this uh anti-terrorist martial arts instructor and he gets one of the members of the Georgia House of Representatives named Jason Spencer who is honestly if you look at the guy he's a he's a piece of shit he's kind of racist he is not a very good guy um and Sasha Baron Cohen got him on the show and got him to do the these kind of racist, crazy, offensive things on TV, and then he posted it on his TV show, and yeah, then I remember that when this guy happened. got fired. Yeah. yeah, so like that guy stepped down from the House of Representatives because of this stupid interview that Sasha Baron Cohen was like, you know what? I'm gonna make it my goal that this guy is canceled. I think it's so cool that Sasha Baron Cohen is aware of the cancel culture and aware that he has a role in he can dictate who gets canceled. Like if he think if he's got a beef with you, he'll make sure your career is ruined. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, I do remember when that happened, that was actually a really, really big deal. Um, 
I do I do want to talk about one thing with with Borat and being that what here's one reason why I enjoyed the second movie a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Is because at this point, and he does the whole bit where he's trying to walk around as Borat and everyone's like fucking chasing him and shit. Like, oh, it's nice. (laughs) (laughs) It just are running the guy down. What I enjoyed more about the second movie is that he would set up these things. Because like, so for example, I want to talk about the synagogue bit. Yeah. We're sitting there. There is a scene where he walks into a Jewish synagogue Mm -hmm. dressed in the most offensive Jewish stereotype (laughs) that could ever be dreamed. And I like was verbally yelling at that point, which like I was like, I could not believe. But then, he, you know, he walks in the synagogue. There are these two old Jewish ladies there, one of which who survived the Holocaust. (laughs) Yeah. And and they sit there and they do this whole bit. And what I realized is that okay, at this point, Sasha Baron Cohen can't just go be Borat. Mm-hmm. So what I realized is that it is it's not it, it's a little bit more staged because I think what happened is this. I think he called up a Jewish synagogue until he found one and he said, Hey, I'm doing this movie. I want to come do this bit where I'm gonna walk in dressed as a Jewish stereotype mm-hmm. and I would like members of the synagogue to, you know, this whole bit showing about how you know, dumb stereotypes are. Mm-hmm. That's what I realized he did through pretty much this whole thing. Right. Um, right. That doesn't take away from it, though, because I think you are seeing genuine people have genuine reactions to thing. Mm-hmm. But it was a part of the early, the first movie I didn't like because I never really enjoyed putting people in really like awkward, shitty positions because yeah. it just felt it just feels mean. Like right. even if they are shitty, it feels kind of mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this one I felt a little bit better because I'm seeing that, like, okay, they're aware it's a movie. They know what's right. happening. Yeah. But I don't th- they but I don't I don't think they tell them anything. I don't mm-hmm. think they it's that's well, where this improv thing comes in. Yeah. Well what they do is um so the, obviously the cameras are there. They're most of the time they're not hidden. They basically tell people we're filming a documentary about like Kazakhstan's relationship with the United States. So we're gonna right. have this Russian guy come in and talk to you about, you know, X, Y, and Z. So they know that they're on camera. They know they're doing it for a documentary. So because of that, they think it's like supposed to be like straight faced, um, which I think is kind of cool. Like that, uh, that scene where he goes and lives with those like redneck guys. Like I watched another interview where he literally went undercover and lived with these guys for five days. Think they're them thinking that he was being real. Like, (laughs) Oh, you, uh, that specifically? Yeah, that specifically. He never like broke character. He he's he stayed at these people's cabin with them during COVID for five whole days. And you know he was like, yeah, we're shooting a documentary, or we'll you know I'll ask you questions and that kind of thing. But they didn't know it was like a satirical, funny movie. <laughs> I mean, I guess like I don't know. Like I think. I think there's an element to it, though, that where they did kind of have to know of more than they let on. Yeah, maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, you know how later in the movie when he does the... Con- oh, also, I remember Country Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so when that happened, that was also a thing. Because I remember, it was weird. It was the trippiest thing. Then I had this all these flashbacks to when he was filming the thing. Right. And I remember it happening. Like, when he when he dressed up as Trump and, like, yeah. ran in. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I so don't remember like, that happening, but it did. <laughs> and I remember Country Steve. So, like, it's just so crazy to see it all now in the movie. But anyways, like... I don't know. It's just I, I'm not trying to like it, totally. I think everything's like genuine because the, they don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And but I what I did realize, though, is that they are aware because you can't just go up to somebody and be like, hey, COVID's happening. Can I stay at your place for five <laughs> days? It doesn't work that way. Yeah, right. But that doesn't take away from, like you said, how good he is at improv. And that's that's the beauty of it is when he's there. And I think like like I think the th- bit with the magnifying glass and the mm-hmm. frying yeah. pan, I think he just did that, <laughs> right. like you know, yeah. it, and they got a bit out of it. But um, those guys were super funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, country Steve, me and Charlotte really like the Country Steve thing. Kind of hit differently because mm-hmm. there's that one scene where you see a dude do a fucking <gasps> yeah. Nazi salute, and it's like. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, And that was kind of eye-opening. God, there's a lot that we could talk about in the movie. Um, I think... I think we need to talk about okay. Well, we just got to get into. It. We got to talk yeah. about the Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, thing. that's the only, that was my only other point that I was going to talk about. Uh, we might as well get into that. I do think we're going to have differing differing opinions on this. So okay, I would I would like you to discuss the Rudy Giuliani thing. All right. So basically, major what spoiler. Happened, also, major spoiler but, alert. It's pretty much the last scene of the movie. Yeah. Um, and honestly, though, even if you haven't seen it, you've probably heard about it because it's like all over Facebook and everything right now. Um, basically, he and his daughter in the movie called up Rudy Giuliani's people and was like, "Hey, we're shooting a documentary. Can we interview Rudy Giuliani?" And they were like, "Yes." But basically, they were trying to catch him in a situation that made him look bad and they did because he's kind of a piece of shit um so and so basically the 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 big thing that everybody's talking about is like there's a scene where he like they they think they finished the interview he goes into a bedroom and he's like taking off his mic and there's some speculation on like you know what he was trying to do but basically he's laying down in a bed and he's like he has his hands down his pants and he says it's because he was like tucking in his shirt I've never tucked in a shirt laying down on a bed like that before, Um, so I'm not going to say one way or the other I know what was going on, but even prior to that, there were so many moments where he did, like, cringy things. Like, he touched her, like, on the small of the back, which, like, you don't do that. Um, He, like, held her hands, and, like, he was was trying to find every excuse to touch her, and that in itself, like, despite the trying to touch himself thing that is enough for me to be like you're gross um so uh, i think yeah yeah, yeah. so I, really go ahead <laughs> okay no well no go ahead and finish your thought well really what i was gonna say is the brilliance of that scene and the reason i wanted to talk about it so badly is because here's what happened in context two weeks before the election sash baron cohen released a free movie if you have amazon prime it's free um, that showed members of the Republican Party, especially Rudy Giuliani, in bad light. They're basically trying to cancel Rudy Giuliani and kind of Republicans. Um, 
and the brilliancy to release it when he did, um, I think will have a uh, not a huge impact, but I think it will have an impact on the results of the impending election. Um, so I do think that if Biden wins, Sasha Baron Cohen played a small role in that, and that is the brilliance. <laughs> I don't want to say I disagree. But I do think that, unfortunately, right now what's happening is such divisive politics mm-hmm. that that movie didn't sway anybody. Yeah. Anybody who was going to vote for Biden was going to vote for Biden anyways. Anybody right. who was going to vote for Trump was going to vote for Trump. That movie that's, didn't that's sway true. anybody. Now, however, what he did do was he was able to take and encapsulate the division in politics in America right now and also... Because a big, big part of the movie for me is just the anti-intellectualism that is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that think the earth is flat. Yeah. Um, and and I cannot stress this enough, really think the earth <laughs> is flat. Like, to a point where it's becoming, like, revolutionary, they think the earth is flat. Mm-hmm. So I think that what he did was perfectly encapsulate it really show it in a way that i think that when we watch this movie and and included covid as well mm-hmm. um which was important too um but he you know i i just think we're gonna watch this movie 10 years from now and we're gonna be like damn that was a pretty fucking crazy time right yeah yeah you know what i mean that or it's gonna be so much worse so we're gonna be like oh you remember when that's all we had to worry about (laughs) jesus man i hope it doesn't go that way (laughs) yeah me neither but no so i mean i think you're right though i mean I, i i don't think he did anything to influence anything but i do i do think that it was important Mm-hmm. And the scope of that is because I don't it's I think right now with American politics and COVID and everything, I think we're looking for a distraction. Mm-hmm. We don't want we want to we want Tiger King, baby. That's yeah. what we want. We want shit that doesn't matter at all because right. everything is so fucked up and goddamn scary right now that we want we want an escape. We want mm-hmm. that opium. We want out. And I think for Sasha Barra Cohen to release that movie two weeks before the election is forcing us to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think the best way of doing that is typically through making people laugh is through comedy. If we can yeah. laugh about how shitty everything is, then maybe we could start to deal with it. Maybe after this election, the country will heal. I don't know. I doubt it. Mm-hmm. But there's a chance. Um that that i think is more of the importance of it mm-hmm. um yeah. what because like i said i just i don't think he's having people switch lanes but i think he did do something that was really important he didn't give us an escape it's not a funny oh look at him be more at it's kind of mm. like, <laughs> like there's that one scene where he's buying gas canisters and he's like how many gypsies can i kill with oh this? yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and i'm just like holy shit why is that guy throwing out numbers Right, exactly, yeah. And when he buys the cage for his daughter, he's like, how many girls do you think you can fit in this cage? I have one. Probably just one. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? So, um, but, so I want to give my opinion on the Rudy Giuliani thing. Rudy Giuliani. Here's my take on the whole thing. I think Mm -hmm. you're 100% right. A lot of weird, creepy shit was happening that... Mm -hmm. 
only a person in power can get away with. Yeah. The only thing that I kind of am not able to fully embrace is like, I think what happened is that when he laid down on the bed, you could see the way that she was like taking off his mic. And she did. Mm-hmm. She like untucked his shirt. Yeah. To pull that mic out. So I think the dude laid back because he's fat. Because like yep. you said, <laughs> I've never tucked my shirt in that way. It's like, well, you're not fat and short like a dwarf, <laughs> like fucking Rudy Giuliani. That's true. <laughs> um, I think he was tucking in his shirt. I think it's possible he was playing a little pocket pool. Okay. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that's cool. I'm just saying, as many males can probably attest to, we've probably done a little pocket pool, mainly not out of fun, but out of necessity. Okay? Because maybe, maybe he was rocking one, and he had to tuck it away. Maybe he was trying maybe. to be polite. That's all maybe. I'm saying. Maybe. Now, with all that being said, though, clearly, I mean, but now, here's my other issue, though. And I had the thought, as soon as I you told me about the Rudy Giuliani thing... My biggest thing that I was just going to be skeptical about was editing. And I Mm -hmm. will say that the movie definitely did some Mm -hmm. pretty goddamn heavy editing. And the only reason I bring this up, the only reason I want to talk about it, is not because I'm like going to side with Rudy Giuliani. Clearly, dude. Oh, what what you doing, man? Excuse yourself. Go to the bathroom and tuck in your shirt like a fucking proper gentleman. Right. if you're wearing sweatpants in mm-hmm. high school, look, you got to do what you got to do. I've been yeah, there. Yeah, right. Okay. I've, I have tucked some stuff between my legs before. Okay. <laughs> I've done what I've had to do. Yeah. But you're an elected fucking official. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you could just go to the bathroom and tuck in your shirt. Right. That's the issue. But I will say that the, the reason I want to talk about editing is because, well, Mitch, as a as a person who can edit video and edit audio, you know the power of editing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know how you can do that. So there was a show on HBO called The Jinx. And it's a very, very good show. I do recommend watching it. However, what happened was it's about this guy who basically murdered a bunch of people. Hmm. Uh, and kind of went on this weird cross-country killing spree of basically killing anyone who found out who he was because he was kind of on the run. Mm -hmm. Well, at the end of the movie, they actually interview the guy. And he had a hot mic during some parts where it basically looked like he was coaching himself and what to say to prove that he didn't kill this person. Mm. Well, that actually landed the guy with a conviction for the murder that that was used as evidence in court but here's the thing afterwards all the unreleased footage got released and they kind of faked it oh yeah huh. bordering bordering on like a deep fake kind yeah. of situation wow. so they heavily doctored the footage now yeah i don't think that's what happened but I do right. think it's important to keep in it's mind. Kinda, it's funny you bring that up because that, that kind of reminded me of the uh, the making a murderer thing on Netflix a while back. Like yeah. the documentary about like 
it, it, it's the one documentary that got everybody in America to be like, holy shit, this guy's innocent. We gotta, we gotta do something. We gotta save this guy. And then they, so much so that they opened the case back up and then judges had another look and they were like, no, this guy's definitely still guilty. But the rest of America was like, no, we don't believe it because they edited it. And I, do I, 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 and I don't know if he's guilty or not, but just the fact that judges were like, okay, we'll take another look. Yeah, he's still guilty. That made me like that. That's crazy to think that the power of Netflix and editing can change so much the outcome of things. Yeah, I mean, it's and 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 I, I do think it kind of reflects on what you said. Sasha Barrett Cohen is going to have an influence on something with this, mm-hmm. um, clearly. Um, but I guess that's my whole point is like, I'm not saying that the end result is not the end result I want. I agree with it, but like, okay, hold on though. Like, let's, let's take a step back because when you watch that scene, a lot of jump cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Why did they even go into the bedroom? That wasn't there. Now, should have right. Rudy, Rudy Giuliani gone in the bedroom? Probably not. And there's, yeah. but there's also that bit where he says like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll give you my phone number, my, my home address. And that edited yeah. looks really, really sketchy and pervy, but yeah, I'm like, exactly. but what did she say? There because, could have been context to that. Yeah. Yeah. Was she asking for help as a journalist, as a reporter? Mm-hmm. Because in the movie, she, they were able to manufacture her as a faux new journalist on the scene Mm -hmm. and when you see her and like talk you know she seems like a sweetheart yeah so i'm not saying that i would be creepy and touch her but like i don't know like i would trust her or maybe like you know want to be supportive of her Mm -hmm. yeah but that's where when you look at everything you can see that rudy giuliani was not handling that appropriately he was Mm -hmm. being way too touching and physical also especially during covid yeah exactly Um, and then also thought, also he's drinking whiskey. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was whiskey, right? (laughs) Whiskey or scotch. Like it's a dark liquor. Why are you drinking that during an interview? Exactly. And that's the part that stood out to me the most. Like, you know, take the whole bed thing out of the equation. Like before they even went into that other room, he knew the cameras were rolling. He knew he was miked and he was being creepy. Like he was he was being weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was not, he was not behaving appropriately. And I think yeah. that's the issue. I just right. don't want to see Rudy Giuliani jerks off on, you know, cause I'm just like, hold yeah. on. Like if he's going to go down, I want him to go down. That's what she right. said. <laughs> okay. That's fitting. <laughs> yeah. True. Actually. So no, uh, I think in all we agree, I just, my, skepticism and devil advocate part of me mm-hmm. just i just i had to bring it up because i'm just like this is the only part i don't feel 100 percent on board on so i don't really want to go because you also mm-hmm. you you talked about this i'm not trying to put words in your mouth but mm-hmm. she did play a 15 year old in the movie right but at that point of the movie i mean like come on like clearly yeah right i mean ma- well, i mean like charlotte said well she looks young and i'm like yeah but like how young? Because she looked like an adult woman to me. Exactly. Yeah. That and that's the thing too. So like in the movie, she's supposed to be playing a fifteen-year-old, but I'll give him. You know, obviously, they didn't say that until like Borat comes in and crashes the party. He's like, "She's fifteen. She's only fifteen. She's too old for you." <laughs> Which was hilarious. So like, obviously, no, I don't think he knew she had a notion that she was underage. So he's a yeah. creep, not a pedophile. 
Yeah, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, and I and I'm because that's that's just large things to lobby against a person. So I just want to make sure that it's yeah. like, well, if we're gonna if we're gonna hang someone out to dry, let's just make sure we're on the same page of why we're right. hanging them out to dry, exactly. right? Like I don't, you know, but um, what I I did want to throw in there's a bit where they are shipping off the young boy grooms. <laughs> yeah. And on the on the thing it says for Mr. Kevin Spacey. <laughs> oh, and I, I was didn't like, even see that. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> Yo, that was a very subtle, very large boy. Oh, blow. that's awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was really the biggest thing, but I think I'm gonna surmise my thoughts on it real fast, which is really just I did appreciate this movie. I do think it's important. I think it's dumb shit yeah, at times. Yeah, it's super dumb. But it, it it does say something. I think at the end where they replace the running of the Jew with the running yeah. of the American. <laughs> I did really like that part because um, it, it to me it really was showing like the the anti intellectualism and the division and everything and just having like the Karen with an AR-15 and his line about she went down to the Walmart and bought it. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, I, I mean, I know it's so extreme, but it's yeah. also just like, I mean, damn, man. Like, right. I just think it's hard to really sit around and say like, nah, this isn't what's happening. Like, no, it's totally what's happening. And, mm -hmm. and we want to fight against science. We don't want to listen yeah. to facts. We want to, we want to pick our stance and roll with it mm -hmm. and i know that here lately in this political season i have been as much as i am absolutely gonna want to do everything in my power to, to not have donald trump be our president <laughs> not exactly sliding over in the joe biden camp acting like he's a fucking right. savior because yeah, exactly the political spectrum right now is so broken Mm -hmm. And what we're breeding right now are extremists. Yeah. And unfortunately, that don't play well. Right. And I, I, I don't know. I, I hope the country can can heal. I don't know. But it, it's it's still looking pretty grim for me because I think I have a theory. We're getting in the weeds. So I want yeah. to try and wrap it up a bit. Biden wins. I think we're going to see a shift in the other direction and we're yeah. going to see whereas like republicans want to like quote uh antifa and act like mm -hmm. that i think we're going to see the conservative side of that now and we're gonna hmm. we're gonna see that extremism i just yeah. i think it's inevitable yeah um hmm. and then and then if trump wins then you know people who are on the far left the extremist left will just continue to do shit and it's just going to feed into the narrative of the republicans mm -hmm. what i'm trying to get at is just stop being so fucking extreme okay yeah. because we're just breeding the same goddamn thing just on different sides i i you you could go out and kill someone and think you're right for doing so i think you're always gonna be wrong is my point yeah. mm -hmm. it, whatever your intentions are whoever they were whatever they did I just I don't think you're ever going to be able to rationalize that into a sense of actual morality because it's the extreme behavior that causes this shit. Mm -hmm. And it's just I don't know. I don't know why we have to be so divided in extreme ways. I, I don't know. 
I, I went off on a tangent. Yeah. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And you're, you're definitely right, man. Like, I, I'm kind of like in the middle of things where I have friends that are super conservative, super, um, you know, liberal. Um, and they're, it's kind of across the board. Everybody's a little guilty of really only uh, taking in the media that solidifies Place. their already, exactly. you know, their opinion already. So, um, and at least if you're just aware of that, if you're at least just aware of that, then you can start to divulge into what you're actually voting for, what you actually believe in. That's I mean, that's all I'm saying. I mean, it's like if you you, you just have to be aware of your own bias. And I just yeah. I, I, I cannot sit here and just be like, no, the Democrats are totally good. Totally right. Nothing yeah. wrong with them at all. It's like, yeah. no, because that's not true. I'll pick lesser of two evils, but like, don't, don't chastise me if I'm picking the lesser of two evils and maybe I decide not to pick the lesser mm-hmm. two. That's what I'm trying to say. Maybe I decide to go a different way or I'm still going to criticize everything very, very heavily. Like, ju- mm-hmm. like if Biden wins, that doesn't make him a fucking savior. Okay. Yeah. Like, and I really don't want that bouncing around. I know it's going to, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe he is. I highly doubt it. <laughs> right. Agree. Yeah. I think the real problem is, uh, why are two 70-year-old white men deciding what's best for me? I Yeah, I just, I don't know. And then, and then it's kind of a situation of, like, you can't necessarily change the rules of the game. You got to play the game a little bit. That just seems mm-hmm. complacent. You know what's been driving me crazy is... I think that this election is important. I think everyone should absolutely go out and vote. But what's really been getting under my skin lately are leftist Democratic ads that are basically, well, trust the system. Have you heard that at all? Because I've been hearing it a lot. We got to trust the system. We got to do our part. You know, like we got to just trust it. And I'm like, this sounds a little bit oppressive, right? Like. Hillary won the popular election. I just, I don't understand what we're doing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, 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 I can't. <laughs> it, that's why I'm just, I'm mad. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. mad at it. And I just feel like if, if it, it, it just, there's such a sense of just like, well, just do your part, be an American and vote. And that just seems like fucking propaganda to me. That's what mm-hmm. it feels like with how much they're impressing it. And I know if I get an ad on Snapchat to vote, do I really think the fucking Republican party is funding that ad? Right. (laughs) I know who's funding the fucking ad. So it just, it just, it still feels oppressive and that's my issue, Mm -hmm. but it's really frustrating because I just, I still feel like we're ignoring the larger issue Mm -hmm. and we're just all kind of buying into, we got to trust the system. We got to do our part. And it's like, I think we need to burn a few more fucking things down. Yeah. It's almost like um, slave owners in the 1700s didn't actually know what they were doing. Who would have thought? (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of how I feel. But it's hard when you love your country and you love where you're from and you care about it and you want to do your part. And I want to believe in, in... the democracy i want to believe in my country right right i'm having issues doing so currently Mm -hmm. and it just feels like i'm picking one pile of shit for another and i i just i don't 
I, I don't feel like it's actually going to accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. Like if we if if Joe Biden wins, are less are less black people going to be murdered by cops? I really don't know. And if they are, correlation does, doesn't always equal causation. So Biden isn't going to be the white savior who fixes that. He's just mm-hmm. not going to be. Right. Right. And I just I don't know, man. I, I just feel like we're throwing all our chips in a basket and just hoping it doesn't catch on fire (laughs) yeah exactly but clearly it's still going to so i don't don't right um yeah which brings me to like one of the coolest the icing on the cake of the borat movie is it showed that scene the running of the american um and then basically you just watched an hour and a half of kind of left-wing propaganda you could say um and then the very last shot is it says now go vote or you will be execute <laughs> which i think is like the most baller like threat <laughs> that they could have ended that movie on <laughs> yeah that did really make me laugh and and i think <laughs> but you know what i like about the borat movie is I don't feel like it's... It, I'm not guessing, right? Like, mm-hmm. I know what's happening. Yeah. You know? And I appreciate that. I just wish that happened more. Yeah. Like, there's this YouTube ad where the first, like, I, solid 42, 43 seconds, because I've counted, is uh, Captain Sully, the guy who landed his plane in the Hudson, mm-hmm. okay, and saved all those lives. It's like 42 seconds of not knowing who the guy is and then him revealing who it is. And it's like, well, I got to listen to this guy's fucking Cap Sully. He landed his fucking plane in the Hudson. <laughs> this dude's a fucking boss. Oh, yeah. And then it's like an anti-Trump ad. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know why I'm so disappointed because it's not that I disagree, but I think it's more like, God damn it, Cap Sully. Could you have not? What are you doing? Could you run? Yeah, exactly. I would much rather vote for the guy who landed a fucking airplane in the Hudson River. <laughs> right. On like a busy day. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know, man. Like, uh, maybe maybe I'm part of the problem. Maybe like I get too rolled up in the apathy of American politics. But it's like, we all know this shit sucks, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. what I want to ask. Like. It's like when we were in line to vote, I just kind of want to be like, I mean, we all like are pretty unhappy, right? Like, none of us really want to be here. <laughs> exactly. Oh, did you have this? Because I, I went and I voted on Friday. Um, I played this game in my head. So first off, I was in line like an hour and I saw a lot of people. Um, did you play this game where every time you saw someone, you tried to guess who they were going to vote for? Because I did. 100%. And I feel like I nailed it. 100%. <laughs> I didn't know, though. I didn't know, though. I tell you what, though, there were people there that I was so glad to see him. Yeah, definitely. I, I really love seeing the older black couples that were there. And the only mm-hmm. reason I say that is just because, like, they dressed up. Mm-hmm. There was a man in a three-piece suit. That's was, amazing. And I was like, damn. And that's where, that's where because, dude, I didn't want to go. Yeah. Charlotte yeah. dragged me to go vote, man. Yeah. Because I didn't want to go. I was like, we went on a Sunday at one o'clock <laughs> um so i thought we were going to be there all fucking day we weren't we were i will say that my county did an amazing job and whoever was behind that i want to vote for them because we were <laughs> we got there at twelve fifty five. 
we were in a line that I swear to God, Mitch, I thought the Beatles had got resurrected and got back together <laughs> and were giving away <laughs> iPads yeah. for free just for coming. Like, it was insane. We were lined up on multiple levels of a parking garage. Yeah, wow. It was insane. And we got there at 12.55. We were in the car by 2.01. And I was yeah, amazed. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that, that happened. Um, so I didn't want to be there. And I felt really weird because I knew who the woman behind us was voting for. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and it's not even that. It's not even that. You know what it was? She was a Steelers fan. And she brought a book. Oh, the worst. And I'm like, get the <laughs> fuck out of line. You right. fucking bitch. Um, she was a nice lady. I must admit. She fell. Which I felt really bad about oh, her knee. No. Apparently she has bad knees. I don't know. I was just, mm. I, I just, I was hating it. But then I saw that man, this older black gentleman, dressed to the fucking nines, looking good. <laughs> and, and he was stoic as shit. He was just, he was just standing there staunchly. And I was like, damn, this dude does not care how long this line is. He will sit here all goddamn day and he probably won't yep. even complain. He yep, just, exactly. He is just fucking happy to be able to do so. And that mm -hmm. made me... I was like, you know what? And honestly, everybody was civil. Everybody was nice. Yeah. There was a guy who somehow managed to park behind the line. <laughs> so we had to, like, part the seas. And there was people, like, waving people down, like, yeah, all right, like, y'all. Like, oh, my it, God. Yeah. It, and I was I was amazed. I, I yeah. honestly... I was really surprised. There's I, I kind of was too. I saw everybody was wearing a mask, even if it was like a you know red, white, and blue American flag mask. I had a, um, we had a, a, a <laughs> I could probably count on one hand the people I didn't see without a mask. I think yeah. they were making people put one on, but I will yeah. say I only saw a small handful that didn't have a mask. Right. Yeah. Which was also, but that is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was. It's just like last time when I've it, it, it's it's a cool experience. I think I, I just wish we took that day along with us throughout the next four years. Right. Right. I wish when things got bad and we want to yell at each other. I wish we'd go back to Election Day and just remember how we all stood in line. We all played that game in our head that we were all kind of <laughs> like eh, voting for. You know, there was a dude in a fucking anime shirt. And I'm like, truthfully, <laughs> truthfully, I don't know. Could go either way. Yeah, it could be either yeah. way. I really cannot <laughs> pig you. Um, we all play that game, but we're all there. We're all civil because we don't want to infringe on you. Mm -hmm. We're we're I'm not gonna we're not gonna sit here and get in a political debate in the middle of this line. Right. We're here. I had to pee. It was really cold. I didn't bring a coat because we were in a fucking parking garage because I didn't know <laughs> that was gonna happen. And we were just there, and we were making the best of it. And I was like, why can't the other four years be this way like yeah, we're all true, here yeah. we're all being civil we're just trying to make the best of it and i would just yeah. love if we could just do that every day but apparently november 3rd or the dates leading up to it are the only days that we could do that as americans yep, apparently. exactly yeah <sighs> all right i think we got to the end of that you're I gonna think, i think so too you're probably gonna have to go back and find some uh 
shit to cut i'm sure that's a, i might i that might who knows who, who knows? cares <laughs> um all right mitch well uh that was nice that very nice oh wait okay <laughs> hello gonna, my name is bara <laughs> i'm gonna throw in m- one more thing that right. older black lady that was the babysitter oh yeah best part of the movie best she part was of the movie so fucking funny it's so nice so nice but like such behind of like i could just feel this by the end when he did show up during covid she had the mask yeah. oh i just felt like a sense of rage though that yeah was right <laughs> i want to hang out with that woman so bad oh right <laughs> like she was so cool she was my favorite part of that whole movie she was amazing she yeah. was she was so when she's driving the car and she's in the passenger seat she's like no let me no! <laughs> women can't drive <laughs> she's screaming all right mitch let's wrap this bitch up all right let's do it what you been cranking all right i have been cranking prince Oh. Just for fun, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I, I was going down that uh, um, funk playlist rabbit hole, and uh, Prince was on there, and I was like, man, Prince is so fucking good, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listened to um, the uh, Purple Rain album like probably six times this week at work. Like it's just phenomenal. So that's about it. Uh, yeah, mine's kind of I I think weirdly enough one I haven't put on, but I've been listening to Pearl Jam. Oh, all right, cool. I don't know, just kind of went back, started listening to Pearl, in a in a political day and age. Pearl Jam, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know who they are. I mean, they're going to be <laughs> yep. the most liberal people ever, but I I do respect it because they have a lot of songs like um that I didn't even know were political. Like they have a song called Porch. Mm-hmm. That is actually a weird mnemonic device because you could take porch and flip it around to pro-choice. Oh, I think they did all that intentionally because it's a when you actually listen to lyrics, songs about like a relationship struggled by a pregnancy and somebody uh, doesn't like get an abortion. I don't know. It's it's Pearl Jam, but my whole point being is that's. They they have always been political and have always given me, they've always given me hope to feel like I go out and say stuff. Like they came out with an album during the Bush administration that was very against Bush, like mm-hmm. very. That was the whole reason they were writing songs at that point. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I've been listening to Pearl Jam. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, I like it. No, was that inspired by the? Because they have a, uh, they had, they just released their like MTV Unplugged album, like on vinyl. Um, yeah, actually, um, that's kind of why I went back. I still haven't listened to that. Honestly, their Unplugged has made me cry multiple times. Yeah, because mm-hmm. actually, they do pour when they do porch on that. It's the last song they do. That's actually when I realized because he actually like. <laughs> it becomes very non-acoustic very quick because like Eddie Vedder's climbing on shit and jumping around, but he writes pro-choice mm-hmm. with a marker on his arm, and I was like, "Yeah, oh, this is a pro-choice <laughs> song." Be- that's when I figured it yeah, out. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, watch, fucking go to YouTube and watch them do porch unplugged because it is. I will have to do that. Yeah, insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that kind of like brought me back to him, and they they had just released uh, Super Wolf Blood Moon. That I still haven't listened to all the way through, but I, I'm really liking it. So 
I just, I don't know. It's like when I'm feeling angsty and I am feeling very rebellious or something, just Pearl Jam always hits the spot, man. Definitely. They're man. always yeah. the one. Just makes me feel like toppling governments. Yeah. Did I ever tell you um, when I worked at the coffee shop, um, I had to like be there at like 6 a.m. Like and when I had to open, like I opened by myself and it was just those early mornings, man. They killed me. I hated getting up that early and doing it. But um, the cool thing about it, though, I was there so early and by myself for like the first 45 minutes of the day, like the shop was still closed. I was just getting ready for the day. Um, I would almost every single time I opened, I would put on Pearl Jam's 10 album and crank it oh, yeah. super loud over the entire speakers in the whole coffee shop. And I was like, this is a good start to my day. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, you, you did tell me about that. I did always yeah. love that because, yeah, like, I, I don't... I don't know, you could critique music all you want, but if you really don't like Pearl Jam, I don't think you've had to be somewhere you didn't want to be and then listen <laughs> yeah. to Pearl Jam's 10 album all right. the way up. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it will it make you feel better. It did. It made me feel way better, yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, whew, we got in the weeds on that uh, one. Uh, but yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was a blast, yeah. We figured it out. We solved the world's problems. It's all good. We took care of it. Don't worry about it. Y'all sleep easy tonight. <laughs> exactly. We did um, it. Yep. If, if I could leave you with one thing, it would be, now go vote or you will be executed. It's a nice. It's a nice. <laughs>